and talk about a show that one of us wanted to watch again and the other one missed entirely. I'm Ryan, and I missed it. I'm Brittany, and I didn't. And we're on season two. Welcome back. Woo! We made it. We have survived the first season of podcasting. So far, so good. This is much newer to you than it is to me. Yes. That is accurate. So how are you handling your uh, newfound internet fame? Fine. <laughs> don't add me on twitter because i won't add you that teacher life though hashtag <laughs> that's just how it is so buffy season one is done it's over we've, I'm watched sh- it. we've watched it i don't know that i'll ever want to watch it again although there was that really weird hyena episode mm-hmm. i like the hyena episode I don't know if I'll ever want to watch it again, but I love talking about it because it's just (laughs) weird. Yeah. All right. So season one is done. Moving on to season two. I know nothing about this. I know you've talked about Angel being more present, which makes me excited. Yeah. Season two is the Angel season. Because after this, he gets his own show. Well, no, there's another season after. Oh, okay. Season three is their senior year. After that, he gets his own show. Yes. Okay. So it's, yeah, season one is season one, season two is the angel season, season three is senior year. Okay. And how do we feel about season two? I love season two. We love season two. Okay. You heard it it here first. Season two is good. Season two and season six are my favorites. Okay. So how well do you remember season two? Pretty well. All 20 whatever episodes? Should be 22. 22 episodes? Let's check. Most seasons are 22 episodes. Uh, 22 episodes, yes. 22 episodes. There's, I know there's at least one two-parter. I think there might be two two-parters. Uh, season 2 has 22 episodes. The first one premiered September 15th, 1997. So only a couple of months after. So they went from a mid-season replacement and getting mm-hmm. a half-season, uh, half-length season, rather. And then they immediately got a full season. Yes. Uh, looks like the ratings on some of these episodes very wildly. There's a 7-2, a 7-3. That's a 6-4. What episode is it? Bad Eggs. Oh, yeah, that episode's not that, so great. All right, well, it's a 6-4. But then we also have some uh, a bunch of 9s. That's a 9-4. And then we have a 6-6, six, six, uh, Go Fish. That one has Wentworth Miller in it. Oh, good. But then the... Season finale is a 9.6, which means it's must-watch must television, basically. Yeah. I mean, you'll watch it and you'll understand why. So you may still hear the uh, sounds of our daughter in the background. She is <laughs> learning how to go to sleep on her own. So far, eh. Every now and then it works. I mean, I've put the password in her mouth like four times. That's parenthood. So, season two, episode one, is entitled, When She Was Bad, 
Buffy returns from summer vacation sporting an attitude and suffers from recurring nightmares involving the Master. Meanwhile, the Anointed One and his followers plot their revenge. Okay, so I've already got two things to talk about. One, Buffy didn't already have an attitude. She was a high school. She's a high school girl. Yeah, I don't. I'm I, not a huge Buffy fan, so I can't attest to that. Okay, uh, and two, the Anointed One was the kid, yes. the chosen one. That's not Harry Potter. Correct. Well, they call Buffy the chosen one. Yes. The anointed one is the kid. Well, that makes sense. How many ones are there? All of them. Well, time to go watch season two, episode one. We'll be right back. And we're back. That was season two, episode one, when she was bad, and it was it was it was Buffy. That's okay. That's fine. There were parts I liked, and there were parts I was like, oh right, this is what Buffy is. Because at this point, it's been uh, when did we watch the finale of season one? Like I don't know, six weeks ago, maybe. Seven mm, weeks? Probably I don't longer know. than that. I don't know. Two months? I don't know. It's been a little bit since we've yeah. actually watched um, a little bit of Buffy. So it was kind of nice to jump back into it and feel like, oh, right, this is what Buffy is, and this is what it is across seasons. And it definitely has a certain uh, brand. You know what you're getting into when you sit down to watch an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Nine times out of ten, yes. Emotional high schoolers and vampires. Hopefully. Most oh. of the time there are vampires. There are select few episodes where there are no vampires. Uh, so I'm going to give this episode a seven, maybe a seven and a half, because the fight choreography got a little bit better, kind of, sort of. We'll talk about that in a minute, but probably a seven and a half. I said 7.3. Oh, we're getting specific now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, well, IMDb gives this one an 8.3. I'm not quite sure why probably because people like the master stuff uh Uh, it's a premiere too like it's a season premiere i feel like most premieres and finales generally get more or like higher ratings sure well because theoretically more time was spent on them yeah it was written better i don't know it was written and directed by joss whedon too oh okay one thing i did want to ask i wrote it down because i wasn't sure if it, I'd asked it or if they'd mention it, but have they mentioned yet how a Slayer is quote-unquote born? I don't think so. Okay. I don't even think they've said the line, there can only be one Slayer yet. Is that a thing? Yes. Or am I making that up? No, okay, that's not. a thing? Okay. That's just something well, I vaguely knew. Well, it's not there can only be one it is generally there is only one okay because i vaguely know that at some point in the future buffy gets like 20 other women to be slayers even though they're not slayers i vaguely have knowledge of this yeah the potential but no i don't think they've talked about how slayers are born or made or we've got like five episodes or so before that okay that'll come up yes well there you go it has to well that'll be good because that's the the lore that they're trying to build and establish mm-hmm. and is 
mostly consistent. Mostly. Except that awkward time when they... When Xander accidentally killed Jesse by stabbing him in the collarbone. <laughs> yeah, that worked out well. Or the times that uh, they're like, it happened in this episode when Buffy snuck up and staked a vampire uh, and he disappeared into dust and there was no stake. And she was standing there like a her fist ready, ready to punch like something. Saying, yeah, like... And like, there's there's no stake. Shouldn't we have heard the stake like hit the ground or something? Does the stake disintegrate? No, because I specifically remember times later on where she stakes somebody, and then and she it keeps falls. and it falls. Yeah, or, or she gets to keep the stake and she gets to use mm-hmm. it multiple times. It's inconsistent at times, but not so inconsistent that it destroys the show mm-hmm. i think most shows are going to have some sort of something like that but when you're trying to establish a fantasy genre on television in a way that's never been really been done at this point we can forgive you a little bit yeah 24 years later we do have to point it out but we can forgive you a little bit <laughs> Music, 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 for an angel sighting. Angel's back. David Boreanaz is back. He's here. His broad shoulders are carrying this show. He has very broad shoulders, but the rest of him is very small right now. <laughs> it kind of just kind of narrows down. Like, the farther down you go, like, his legs don't look very large or at all. Like, it looks disproportionate, which yeah. is strange. Especially because I've watched all of Bones, and I've watched him on SEAL Team, and I watched him here, and I'm like, I guess that's what David Boreanaz looks like then? Yeah. Okay. He he must, like, start gaining muscle during this season, because I know when Angel starts, he's a lot more... Not that he's not physically fit now, but he's, like, bigger. Yeah, he just adds muscle mass. Yeah. He get he has more right. muscle because he's clearly fit now. Yes, it's not like he's not a fit person at this point in his life. Yeah, he's just scrawnier, mm-hmm. which he's not even scrawny, but no, because I feel like you're... he's got he has to uh, uh, go up a couple of weight classes. Yeah, he has to with muscle eat all of that raw hamburger and become more Jacob Black. Okay, that took a turn. <laughs> Are we talking about that now? Well, do you not remember from the first Twilight how Taylor Lautner looked to the second Twilight? Oh, yeah, that's true. They did get a different Taylor Lautner for the second movie. Right, because they were like, you got you got to look like this or we're going to replace you. And he was like, okay, I can do that. And he ate like two pounds of hamburger every like three hours. I mean, he made a lot of money for it. Yeah. So he's probably okay with it. But Angel's back, 14 minutes in. He appears uh, exactly where you think he would appear, awkwardly hovering over Buffy while she has a nightmare. He's in her bedroom. Where else would he be? 
Because she has invited him in so he can come in whenever he wants to. Yes. But he does ask, after she wakes up, like, screaming in terror, he does ask if, hey, is it cool if I come in, even though he's already there? I mean, he's a gentleman. Uh, But you you did point out at the beginning that David Boreanaz is no longer a guest. Yes, he is a series regular. I do remember them them adding him to the credits, which is nice. It means he gets paid more. And I'm guessing they did that because people liked him a lot. That's good because he was the best part of season one. Yeah. So uh, I said at the end of season one that season two's first scene will be a dream sequence flashback where Buffy is trying to kill Angel. Turns out that was not correct. It was not. It was not in the slightest. It opens on Xander and Willow walking down a road by the graveyard because why not i guess whatever um complaining about how the summer's been dull and then they almost kiss and it's a whole thing and i kept waiting for the dream sequence to stop because i was convinced that was how they were going to start season two mm-hmm. they do the dream sequence bit later when giles tries to strangle buffy and that as was the master, yeah. as the master yeah and that was a good dream sequence bit but i was convinced that was the only way they could start season two was with a dream sequence because they used it so much in season one. Yeah. No, they. I remember them that scene. It is not a dream sequence. She breaks the fourth wall, though. Which she? Buffy does. Buffy? Buffy breaks the fourth wall because she like, punches the vampire. They notice it's her. And then she kills the vampire, I think, and then turns to the camera and says, Miss me. Yeah, that's a little much. They do that a couple times. It's... I know that specifically they do it during the musical episode. See, that's fine. It's a musical episode. But I'm pretty sure that she does it other times, too. What else did you uh, remember from this episode? I do remember that Giles dream sequence. Well, the dream sequence where Giles turns into the master. And by turns in, you mean Buffy rips off his toupee. <laughs> well, his face. and His it's... face. And it's like, it was very clearly like a skin suit with yeah. a wig on it. Yeah. I remember that Cordelia interaction that they had with Cordelia where she like came out and was kind of bitchy and then... All of a sudden was like, but I'll keep your secret. <laughs> and then Buffy was like, yeah, but you're a moron. And then walks away mm. out of nowhere yeah. for no reason. Yes. There's plenty of reasons to call Cordelia a moron in season one. And then in season two, she picks the one time that Cord- she shouldn't. <laughs> the one time Cordelia actually does something nice for them. Yeah. It was confusing. Yeah, that was a weird moment because for some reason, Buffy insulting Cordelia is the thing that makes everybody go, oh, nope, something's not right. Buffy's not okay. (laughs) And I'm sitting here going, what are you talking about? That's my inner monologue. That's what I would have said. Again, no, that's fine. Cordelia is the worst. Cordelia remains the worst. Yes. I like Cordelia. But Buffy being... And then Buffy's like 
finally just lets her have it. Done with her nonsense. Just over it. Not going to take it anymore. And it makes everybody go, Xander and Willow and Giles like, oh, nope, something's wrong. That's the thing. Nothing else ticked us off to it. But that did. Okay. I made a comment that Charisma Carpenter sounded sick in this episode. Like her voice was just like a little deeper and a little nasally. All that time not spent on the beach. I guess. But I did notice it. Like she sounded sick. I remember very vividly for some reason, like when I think of episode one of season two of Buffy, I think about the dance between her and Xander. I very much remember that. Oh, yeah, that was weird. It was super weird. I did forget how uncomfortable Xander was, though. Yeah, wildly. Yeah, which is good acting on Nicholas Brendan's part. (laughs) It was very good. Buffy's possessed. What do you mean? Maybe she just likes me. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no. There's a problem. See, that (laughs) would have been acceptable for everyone to go, okay, yes, something's wrong with Buffy. Yeah. Also, the... She's acting like such a B-I-T-C-H. A bitka. Okay, I laughed at that one. That one was good. I think that might be my favorite Buffy joke that I remember ever. Xander can't spell. (laughs) Uh, My favorite line, uh, because apparently that was your favorite line. It's so funny. Uh, My favorite line was uh, the deadpan delivery from Allison Hannigan of, we got to wear robes. At the beginning when they're talking about burying the master and the ritual and the holy water and everything. We got to wear robes. (laughs) Yes. And then we did get to see the vampires like dig up consecrated ground and the the pain it inflicted on them and the steam coming off and everything. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. That was one of the cooler moments. It was probably one of the harder things for them to do in this episode too. Yeah. They do that anytime... A vampire touches or is doused or whatever with holy water, and when they touch um, or a cross, they do that throughout the whole thing. Um, and now, if we're going off lines, when Buffy is talking to Angel and she's being real douchey to him, and can we say douchey? <laughs> we can say douchey now. They can say douchey on the CW. They said it on How I Met Your Mother, which was on eight o'clock. On CBS. Okay, all right, all right. (laughs) So we can say douchey. That won't give us the explicit tag. No. Okay. Um, When she was being real douchey to Angel. Well, now we're just saying it all the time. And called him an undead American. (laughs) Girl, he's Irish. (laughs) Oh, man. That was... Okay, we don't know that, though. Yeah, yeah, we do. He talked about uh, when they had the Angel episode in season one. They were going over lore of Angel and talking about where he came from. And they said he was from Ireland. He was born in Ireland. He don't remember exactly everything that they said in that episode. Because I was just about to give something away and I don't know if they talked about it. I thought he was from Paris. No, he's from Ireland. Okay. But no accent. No, we get to hear the really terrible Irish accent coming up actually because this is the Angel season. Gotcha. But yeah, she called him an undead American, and I was like, he's Irish. Where were you? Well, she doesn't know. I'm pretty sure she does, because Giles was the one who told her when they were reading all the lore on Angel. Okay. She probably forgot, but that's not something. uh, Undead American. 
It's not something I don't even know what the joke is. We didn't would forget, though. Well, (laughs) but he did write it, too. Yeah. Okay, well, that's fine. But yes, that was a line. Buffy's casual and inconsistent strength. This might be my favorite part of the show because it doesn't make sense. And it's in every episode. There's just something that she does. I'm like, oh, cool. You can do what? You can throw that thing how far? You punched through the wall? You can do what? Okay, cool. That's awesome. Like when she threw the vampire up against a tree. Yeah, like when she threw the vampire (laughs) over the road, up in the air. He got hang time, and he she managed to get him stuck on through a branch, so he got staked by the branch on the tree. That was awesome. Mm -hmm. But the training dummy holds up to her. Oh yeah. For a while, until she finally has enough of it and just kicks it. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Whatever. Maybe she's learning control or whatever. They didn't talk about it, but fine. Whatever. Most of this episode is just Buffy wants to punch something. Yeah. Really, really hard. So she gets the sledgehammer at the very end. Sarah Michelle Yeller does not know how to pick up a sledgehammer because that was very clearly a prop because sledgehammers are top heavy. Mm -hmm. So she picks it up and she goes to town on these bones. Right? And it's a great bit. It's a great scene and everything. And the whole time I'm sitting there going, she's putting everything she's got into this, right? Why is the table not breaking? Why is the table okay? (laughs) The table should be destroyed. This whole place should be rubble. Like, Mm -hmm. she should have a final swing and it cracks the table and the sledgehammer ends up embedded in the floor. Like, that's what I was waiting for. She's not Thor. Apparently not. (laughs) But she can throw a vampire through the air, across the road. And he would have kept going if he didn't hit the tree. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, he was not done. You know, it's not like she got him eight foot and that was and he, and he hit the target on the ground. He yeah. would have probably gone another 15 feet. Right, because he hit it hard. He hit that thing hard and high. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Buffy's casual and inconsistent strength. Thank you, Joss Whedon. At least there haven't been too many coffee cups yet. No. She's a teenager. She doesn't drink those. She doesn't drink coffee. Not yet. I want to give a shout out to Principal Snyder. Ah, uh, yes. Being the worst principal. <laughs> <laughs> Our side character shout out. You've got Principal Snyder. Yeah, he is the worst. He is the worst, but... He's also so small. <laughs> yes, because Anthony Stewart Head is not giant. No. By... Any stretch. He's not a small person, but uh, Professor Snyder... Principal Snyder. Principal Principal Snyder is a good 10 inches shorter. Yeah, he's very small. Now I'm curious. Uh, Principal Snyder, performed by Armin Shimmerman. Is his name? Okay. I was going to say his name was Archie, so Armin is close to Archie. I've just been watching a lot of Riverdale. Um, And he uh, was currently, apparently, 
uh, a member during this time. Oh my God, he's still he's still working. Wow, this is imp- I'm impressed. He has been working consistently since 1979, according to IMDb. Good job. Oh, this is imp- this is like an impressive career. He's on Seinfeld for an episode, Star Trek, LA Law. He was Quark. Oh, he was Quark from Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Uh huh. I think I remember the episode of Seinfeld he was on. Okay. Now he was Quark in Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. I've never seen any Star yeah. Trek. Okay. Well, that's and he was credited on all 173 episodes of it. So, he was there for a while. And that was 93 to 99, so it was kind of at the same time. So, he was actually... That explains why they gave Snyder so many lines. Because he was a star at the mm-hmm. time. People knew who he was. He was on the West Wing. Yeah, well, if you look at the um, credits, I think it has with his name as Principal Snyder or whatever... Now he does voiceover? Oh, man, this guy's awesome. X-Men, Boston Legal, The Grim Adventures of Bill and Mandy, okay. Mass Effect, Ratchet and Clank. Oh, he was Dr. Nefarious. Sorry, this is the hole we're going down right now. Bioshock 2, Starcraft 2, Mass Effect 2, Batman, Star Wars The Old Republic, Atlas Shrugged, Sword of the Atom. World of Warcraft. Man, this guy has done a lot of stuff. Bioshock Infinite. More Ratchet and Clank. Batman Arkham Underworld. I don't know how much of this is in the show, but I'm just... Jeez, this guy has done everything. And he's still working. Good for you, Armin. Armin Shimmerman. My side character shout out is uh, I had to look this up because I was I was curious. The uh, fights had improved for this episode over season one, although a lot of it I think was better camera angles for the fight, so they could hide the hit a little bit better. Uh-huh. The point of impact was hidden a little bit more, and it wasn't just wide shots or establishing shots the whole time. So they they're able to hide it a little better. Um, and it works much better, I think. There's still moments where I'm like, oh, that was fake. Oh, that was fake. Oh, that could have been better. But they also had a training montage in the middle of the show. Yep. And uh, Buffy uh, does all sorts of stuff. So my shout-out is for Sophia Crawford, who I've just learned uh, was the stunt double for uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar for the first four seasons. Oh. Only the first four? According to Reddit, because that was the research I briefly did here, uh, according to Reddit, uh, after season four, uh, Sophia Crawford and, um, oh, I can't find his name right now, whoever the stunt coordinator for the show was, they both left the show um, because they were pissed off at Joss Whedon and Sarah Michelle Gellar for many things, but I guess they were really mad that Sarah Michelle Gellar was taking credit for doing so much of her own stunt work and apparently she wasn't or it was 
misinterpreted or something and they were really really mad about it that i mean yeah i I mean i would be yeah but apparently it was big enough that after season four sophia crawford and the stunt coordinator left the show gotcha so uh reddit uh reddit put it oh right you mean the uh significant drop off in buffy's fighting ability (laughs) she gets why does buffy fight worse after season four well, there you go. Apparently, that's what I learned on Reddit today. Cool. We got to wear robes. Okay, so a couple other things that yeah, I noticed. What else do you have? What else? Um, things that I forgot about or didn't pay attention to. Cordelia was taken a lot earlier than I remember. Like, she was, like, taken halfway through the episode, and I thought it was much later. Like, I, I honestly thought all of them were taken at the same time. Ah. Uh. And then no one noticed that she was gone. And <laughs> nobody noticed that she was missing all day. But also, nobody noticed that Jenny was missing all day, and she's a freaking teacher. Well, she just didn't show up for work that morning, and... Uh, well, okay. The teachers at this high school are known to have gone missing. Yes, that's fair. And turn out They dead. killed two of them in season one. Science oh. teacher and... I mean, the principal. And the principal, and I thought there was another one. No. But. I don't think so. Anyway. Yeah. But, yeah. They didn't notice that Cordelia was gone all day. I don't think anyone was sad about it. Also, there was a car scene between Buffy and her mom. That was a good scene. Yes, but it was in the wrong spot. Because Buffy's outfit in that in the car scene was the same outfit that she wore at the end of the episode. Like the oh, one where she catch. Yeah. the one where she went to go f- yep. like she crushed up the master's bones yep, and all that jazz. Absolutely correct. It was in the wrong spot. That's a continuity error. Yeah. Somehow. How do you mess that up? Just handed her the wrong costume that day? Must have. Okay. Well we did meet Buffy's dad. We met Buffy's dad in season one, but it was in that nightmare episode. Yeah, it was the so nightmare we, episode, so we didn't really get to see yeah. the character. Mm-hmm. We saw the, the nightmare version. Yes. Um, was it the same guy? I think so. Uh, yes, it was. Dean Butler plays Hank Summers for the entire time. The three episodes that he's in? Uh, five. Oh. When else does Nightmares, he Nightmares, uh, when she was bad. Uh, Becoming, part one. But it's just his voice, and he's technically uncredited. Uh, the Weight of the World and Normal Again. Yes, Normal Again is the one that I remember because it's later, and mm-hmm. it's the alternate reality episode. Gotcha. So yes, yeah, there's so four or five, depending on how you count. Um, apparently, this guy played uh, Dean Butler. I guess they got a lot of people for Puffy. Apparently, this guy played. Um, Almanzo James Wilder on Little House on the Prairie. Oh, interesting. For 65 episodes. things that I still have noticed. Um, we are back at the bronze, the club for high schoolers that cannot drink. It is back. 
It is good. It has live bands. Thank you, 1997. Yeah. We talked about the awkward dance. Yep. Scene. Um, and it was like a really bad music video mm-hmm. because they kept showing the band performing, but they were Who clearly was also awkward. Yeah, which was also <laughs> awkward. The the band members were awkward. The song wasn't great. It, it was just it, it was not great. The line I wrote down the line that I didn't get, which is a reference which I I didn't get. Um, I think Cordelia said the Joan Collins tood. The Joan Collins attitude, you got to drop that, or whatever the line was. Mm-hmm. And they said the line, and I understood what they meant. Yeah. I didn't get the reference, though. I don't really understand the reference either. I also understand what they mean, but I don't think I understand the reference. Okay, well, if you're listening to us at home, uh, and you know what that is a reference to, please tweet at us. Besides the fact that it's about Joan Collins, we understand that. Yes, but maybe is it like a specific TV show or movie or an appearance or something? Or I don't know. Was this something they said in 1997? Apparently. Enough that it made enough sense to put it on the show. I was five. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I think I have three more thoughts. Uh, first thought is uh, I am here for Buffy torturing vampires. Yes. I am here for it. I understand it will probably very rarely happen again because she was bad Buffy for this episode. Mm -hmm. And even then, it was a really short bit, but like like they had the vampire captured and pinned down and they needed information, so she ripped the cross off and stuffed it down her throat and closed her mouth and it was steam came out and was like, oh, this is awesome. This is a little dark. Man, this is good. And then it only lasted like 20 seconds. Yeah. I know that there's more vampire torture later, but I don't remember if it's in Buffy or if it's in Angel. Gotcha. That sounds like an Angel thing. It happens to Angel, so no, I don't remember if it happens in Again, Buffy sounds like an Angel, Angel thing. I kept waiting for the season two money to show up. Oh, uh, like for the like, hey, picture to get better? Yeah, the picture to get better, to get less draining, to not be as... Uh, visually dark. I mean, when they're in the daytime in the high school, it's very bright, but they're just trying to establish night and day because they have to. Mm -hmm. But, like, the entire opening bit was very dark and grainy. It wasn't great, and the the costumes weren't that different. There was more music. Maybe that's where the money went? I don't know. I don't remember when they really got money gotcha it's still in the full screen aspect ratio too so like it hasn't gone widescreen yet maybe it's season three i kept waiting for it though i kept waiting for like okay where's the where's the money where did they put it where is it um maybe they had more vampires maybe they had more changes like the the facial change from human to vampire angel changed yes we did get that yeah vampire angel i did write that down I don't know, I kept waiting for that money. And I guess maybe here's a good thing to end on that we can talk about because it's a little bit uh, how would things be done differently today, but also how are things done differently in other TV shows. TV shows as a whole, I won't just single out Buffy for this, although they do this in this episode. TV shows have a great thing that they do, and I say great mostly sarcastically, where the season ends, things, big things happen, and then... Over the break, you're left wondering what happened, what's going to happen, 
and then they you know the teaser trailers come out and then season and the next season shows up and that first episode they explore okay what are the ramifications of what just happened in the last season how are we going to move forward and everything and it only takes one episode to answer all of the questions yeah and it bugs me I don't know what bothers me more is if a season ends and time goes by and they do that or if a season ends and it is supposed to pick up right where it left off. I don't know which one bothers me more because yes, the getting everything done that happened over the break in one episode is annoying. I find it even more obnoxious when they just pick up right where they left off. Sure. Because that's not I like a lot of shows do like Halloween episodes and Christmas episodes and whatnot around the time that it's supposed to. So if they just pick up where they left off, at what point did time jump forward two months? Right, yeah. Where did the time go, literally? Yeah. I think that is one of the things I like about uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which has nothing to do with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Very different shows. Um, But Brooklyn Nine-Nine is really, really good at somewhere in the middle of their season, somewhere in an episode, writing in a time jump. Yeah. Um, so months pass somehow, or you know, weeks or whatever, but it's written in to the middle of an episode that it's uh, okay. Here's the first eight minutes of the episode, and then we're just gonna montage our way through, or we're gonna talk about it, or we're just gonna jump and then say, "Hey, look, it's three months later." Mm-hmm. Um, but the writing is done well, and it's smart how they do it, and it just kind of fits in there and makes sense, and we can accept it. Buffy. Now we've only seen the one at this point, but they really the the uh, the Buffy has issues with everything. Kind of comes out of nowhere because at the end of season one, she doesn't have any issues. Obviously, she no. hasn't had time to deal with anything. We don't get any screen time there because she kills the master by dropping him through a ceiling. Yeah, and then goes to prom. And then goes to prom. We don't even see her go to prom. We see her walk out of a room. Yeah, and that's it. And she has no issues with anyone. And then she comes back and she's mad at everybody, including herself. Yes. Which makes sense. Yeah. Like, it's a tra- it's it, trauma. It's trauma. It takes a while. And, like, everything made... And coming back to Sunnydale is a trigger. Like, you get that. Like, right. Yeah. Because she went to L.A. and she went to L.A. like immediately and the whole thing there. Um, and they talk about how she was distant there. And they do a good job of setting all that up only to solve all of those problems in one episode. Mm-hmm. Just bugs me. Yeah. Because I think, they could explore this yeah. way more. It'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because one thing that, with the passage of time and not solving it all in one episode, like a show that did that was, and I mean, maybe I'm just thinking about it because we're watching it, but like How I Met Your Mother. Mm-hmm. Because I'm specifically thinking of season two. When they come back after Lily leaves and they just show Marshall, like, sobbing on the couch for, like, weeks on end. Yeah. They take their time. Yeah, they take their time to, like, go through it, but they show the passage of time and how long he's been sobbing on the couch and all of the sex that Robin and Ted are having at the same time. But then they take, like, most of the season to even explore... Yeah, it doesn't Lily all get and, fixed. Yeah, Lily and Marshall's relationship. Yeah, which is good because yeah. that's what makes a compelling story is that it takes time to tell a story. Mm-hmm. You can't tell in 22 minutes. You can't tell, you know, 
a wildly intricate story in 43 minutes. Yeah. Right? It takes time. And I think that's why we're seeing now with all these TV shows everywhere and adaptations of things, people don't want, you know, their favorite book or their favorite book series to be turned into a movie. They'd rather see... Like that miniseries. The miniseries, yeah. They'd rather see HBO or... Uh, you know TNT or FX or somebody get a hold of it and be able to you know churn out 8 10 12 episodes mm-hmm. you know that's what we saw I mean you didn't really watch them but that's what we saw on Netflix with uh, Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Punisher and that whole stable of heroes they did some they did all these shows and they made them interconnected um and because it was on Netflix and not the CW they could actually like do dark things and not just have pretty people. And parts of... We're not here to debate the merits of the Marvel TV shows because some of them are good, some of them are not. But they were able to really explore issues and take their time going through, you know, how does a character get from point A to point B to point C? And it doesn't have to be done in 43 minutes or even two hours. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like... Um, Ryan Murphy has American Crime Story and he takes a book and like that's based on real events and he takes all that and makes it like throughout those 10 episodes and it's American Crime Story it's like a series but one season is one story and then they don't explore it again right and then he can reuse actors too right I mean Shout out to Darren Chris for winning an Emmy. <laughs> Shout out Darren Chris. Fan of the show, Darren Chris. If he was, that would I one would not be surprised. <laughs> but <laughs> he seems like the right level of nerd to listen right. to a a watch Buffy podcast. That seems about right. Yeah, that seems and about Googling, right. And Googling I wanna rewatch Buffy but listen to a podcast at the same time. Oh, let's listen to this one. Glad to have you on board, Darren Chris. <laughs> uh, now for our final segment of the show, Ryan predicts poorly. I believe I'm currently 0 for 12. No, I think one episode at the end you predicted that Angel would come back and he did. Oh, did I get one? So maybe I got one. Okay. Uh, all right. So here's my prediction. And this one's a little different because this one is not just for next episode. This one is for all of season two. Okay. I predict, and I've thought about this a little bit. It's not just some off the cuff funny bit. Although it is kind of funny. I predict that in season two, Cordelia will get kidnapped or abducted at least six times. So we should start a tally. So this is one. So this is one. So that means five more in 21 episodes. Just in season two? Just in season two. Okay. Not her whole time in. Not her whole time. Oh, dear Lord. If it was her whole time, it'd be something like 30 or 40. No, I don't mean her whole time in the the Buffy-verse. I mean her whole time on Buffy. But... Six, even then, I'm like, okay, that seems a little low. I don't know. Because Buffy can't get kidnapped. No, that's stupid. Exactly. So it has to be Cordelia. Someone has to be the damsel in distress. Willow needs a personality. (laughs) 
And not Xander. They can only kidnap the guy so many times. It is still 1997. Yeah. Yeah. And Angel's not getting kidnapped. Are you kidding me? No. Somebody walks up and sees his broad shoulders and they run away. Yeah. So, you know. Or they come out swinging. Well, and they have to kidnap Cordelia many times to make up for how how much we didn't like her in season one. Yes. I'm thinking about the amount of time she gets kidnapped, and I don't remember in season two, but I'm I remember at least two in season three. <laughs> See, so I might be right. So uh, check back in uh, 21 episodes where we will totally remember to go back and count. And see if I was right or not. So we can put it on the whiteboard. We'll put it on the whiteboard. <laughs> we'll keep it. Maybe how we could keep like a Twitter tally or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Well, that's all for this episode, Buffy season two, episode one. When she was bad. Thanks for joining us here on I missed it. I'm Ryan and I'm Brittany. And don't forget, sledgehammers are top heavy. Sarah Michelle Geller. When you pick it up, one side goes down. <laughs> They're top heavy. They're real heavy. It's the same problem as like coffee cups and not having coffee in them. It's just, just be better. Please, actors, just be better. It's because they can't act when they're drinking something. They have to pretend to drink something. uh, We need more triple threats. (laughs) Acting, singing, and drinking. That's it. That's everything. This has been a Ghost Light Media production.